All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I never heard that song before, but that was certainly a, a wonderful, wonderful truth there, amen. Praise the Lord for the blood of Christ. Um, I've uh, preached on the blood of Christ, I don't know how many times over the years, uh, but uh, in one of my messages I was thinking about there, Miss Sharon was singing uh, that the, the blood of Christ, the most precious substance known to man is the blood of Christ, amen. And uh, it's, uh, uh, you can't put a price on it. It's also the most powerful substance known to man. And uh, that is uh, when applied uh, to your sin. In other words, when you're forgiven uh, through the blood of Christ. Uh, as uh, Miss Sharon just sang there, uh, all sin is forgiven. Amen. Isn't that wonderful to know? Um, isn't it wonderful to know that, you know, a lot of times we kind of get bogged down in, you know, what sins Christ died for and what sins he didn't die for. Uh, the Bible makes it plain that when he said it was finished, that means that every sin that had ever been sinned before the cross and every sin that was sinned at that moment, but also every sin that's ever going to be sinned, in other words, that sin that hasn't even been sinned yet, amen, some of that is your sin, by the way, that you haven't sinned yet, uh, was paid for on the cross of Calvary, amen? And that's what the blood of Christ does. And so I hope and pray that you're saved uh, this morning, uh, go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Peter chapter 2. Appreciate Brother Roger, uh, uh, he and, and uh, Miss Rhonda, they've uh, got over COVID. And, and although they're over COVID, we know that it takes a little while to kind of bounce back from that. And uh, so, no, he wasn't feeling 100%, but I sure was glad he was here today and, and did a wonderful job. And so we praise the Lord for that. And uh, thank the Lord that they're back with us as well. You know, it's just not the same when, when our church family isn't all together, amen? And, and uh, when you're not here, you're missed. And uh, so we uh, appreciate that. Good to have Brother Kenny back as well. He's been out sick. And, and uh, so praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Second Peter chapter 2, go ahead and stand with me, if you will, in reverence to the Word of God, if you're physically able. Just have a few verses I want to read. And we're going to be preaching uh, today about when God, uh, when God spared not. And uh, God is certainly unsparing, and we're going to talk about that. And uh, just something that God laid on my heart, uh, this is going to be a, a pretty serious message, a salvation message, if you will. And uh, just a reminder that although we have a God of love, we also have a God of wrath. We have a God that, uh, uh, you know, sin has to be atoned for. He's provided everything that a human being needs not to pay that themselves. Uh, but certainly they can choose not to have faith in God. But there's going to be consequences to that. There's everlasting life, but there's also everlasting uh, condemnation as well. And uh, God has done an awful lot for you not to face that. In other words, for you to be saved. And so I hope and pray that God will speak to all of our hearts. You say, well, I am saved, preacher. Well, I'm glad that you are. I hope everybody right now is saved. Uh, but uh, we need to be reminded of what we've been saved from. Amen. I, I think sometimes we as Christians, we, we forget, we lose our thankfulness of what God has saved us from. So I think messages like this are just as much for the believer as they are for the unbeliever. But Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow. Now we see these three examples of when God spared not, but notice what they're for, making them an ensample 
an example that is unto those that after should live ungodly. Again, I just want to preach a message this morning uh, when God spared not. Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading and preaching of the Word of God this morning. And Father, we're thankful for uh, uh, the service thus far. And Father, I believe that uh, you've been uh, uplifted and glorified, Lord, that this is all about you. It's not about us. And uh, Father, we just now come to that point in time where the preaching of the Word of God is being presented. And Lord, I know sometimes things can't be helped. We have to tend to young uh, children and so forth, uh, Lord. But if any way possible, if we could remain seated until the service is over, Lord, so that there's no distractions and so that we can focus here for a little while on the preaching of the Word of God. Uh, Father, I know that you would bless that. And uh, Father, we just pray now that uh, you'll bless, speak to our hearts. Uh, may your Holy Spirit roam every pew and every aisle. Lord, you've brought us all here to this point in time for a reason. And that reason is going to be revealed through this message. And so, Father, help us again to be attentive. Father, we'll thank you for it. We'll love you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. When God spared not, you know, there was a time, I, I love the study of Peter. Uh, he and David probably, uh, I, I want to say my favorite character studies. I don't necessarily mean that they're my favorite as far as, uh, you know, being shining examples of, you know, of, of Christianity and, and loving God. I suppose Joseph would probably fit that category, or Paul. But they are Peter and David, uh, Peter today, uh, somebody that, that I can relate to. <laughs> you know, uh, Peter uh, often got himself in trouble, amen, Peter... Peter loved the Lord. He had zeal, but, but he often didn't do the right things. And, and I don't know about you, but that describes me in a lot of different ways. And there was a time before this epistle. Now, Peter's much older by the time this epistle is written. Probably 30 uh, years or so have passed since Christ uh, ascended back to the Father. Uh, Peter, probably close to middle age even then. So he's a little older by now. And, and there was a time before this epistle was written before 1 Peter and 2 Peter was written, that Peter made a proud declaration concerning Christ. And he said, uh, you know, if you remember paraphrasing here, he said, everybody else might run off and leave you, Lord, but even unto death, I, I'm going to be right here shoulder to shoulder with you. And, and, of course, we know that wasn't the case. But if you remember what Jesus told Peter at that time, uh, he basically said, I know what you're saying, Peter, but you're going to fail. But he'd go on to say that after you're converted by the Holy Spirit of God, in other words, once you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, he would go on to tell Peter, strengthen the brethren. And Peter's declaration certainly ended in failure. He not only failed once, but he failed thrice. He denied the Lord three times. But now Peter's older, he's wiser. Um, God, by this time, had used him in, in a mighty and powerful way, not only to open the gospel to the Jew, but also open the gospel to the Gentile. And, and uh, uh, Peter, we find him here still doing that very thing with this epistle, uh, not only First Peter, but Second Peter. He was certainly strengthening the brethren. And I think that's important. And he has a lot of uh, things, even though these epistles both are fairly short, they are really a great study for somebody that likes to study the Word of God, and I hope that you do. And um, again, his, his words are right here, uh, being Holy Spirit-led, that is, by inspiration of God, and we have them uh, here where we can read them. And I just think we ought to take advantage of the Word of God, amen? And in the first chapter uh, Peter of Second Peter, Peter would encourage us even today to live a Spirit-filled life. And, 
And when we do that, we learned a little about that in Sunday school this morning, that when we live a spirit-filled life, we can reap the blessings, amen? And, and praise the Lord for that, not only on the other side of eternity, but even this side. And, and then we get into chapter 2 and, and um, uh, giving us some warnings about false teachers and prophets, which very quickly leads into the subject of judgment. And uh, Peter has a lot of sobering things here to say, and we just read a little bit of that just a while ago. And we see there at the beginning of verse 4, we see that, that phrase there, uh, God spared not, uh, for if God spared not. And that's something we ought to take notice of. And, and God certainly, you know, we can look at this two different ways, but God certainly spared not his love, amen. When we, when we think of the love of God, we think of maybe even John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Certainly his love is unsparing. Uh, no doubt about that. But he is also, that is God, he is also unsparing in his judgment. He is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. But in order for him to be, in order for him to have that intensity of love, with that same intensity, he has to hate sin, you see. That's, that's what makes his love so strong, is his hatred toward that which is not right. Now, I'm not talking about people that are not right. I'm talking about those things which are not right. And so he's unsparing in his judgment. He's a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. And, and I suppose for the natural thinking man or woman, we might say, well, that, that doesn't make sense to me. How, how could that be? How could you be unsparing with love, but also be unsparing in your wrath? Well, as I just mentioned, God loves what's righteous. And to do that, he has to hate sin with that same intensity. Now, God loves the sinner, amen, for God so loved the world. He's not talking about the trees and the rocks like others might have you to believe. He's talking about human beings. He's talking about souls, amen. He's talking about people. And Peter would even tell us that God wishes that none would perish. He certainly has done an awful lot uh, for every human being to be saved. So God loves the sinner. There's no doubt about that, amen. But he does hate sin. And no one, and unfortunately there are still people that leave today without accepting Christ as their Savior, but no one can ever say they went to hell without being first loved by God. So we're going to see that God was unsparing in judging the angels. We're going to see that he was unsparing uh, in the old world, that is the world before Noah's flood. And then we're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah as well. And Peter was making a reference in the beginning of all this, chapter 2, to false teachers and prophets. And, but we can be sure that this will certainly include the ungodly, that is, in samples, uh, the unsaved as today as well. So the, the message of the Bible is something that we need to, to understand and to get a hold of and to speak to our hearts. So number one, God spared not the angels. We just read that in verse 4, the beginning of 4. If God spared not the angels that sinned goes on to say, but cast them down to hell. And there's a lot of different things we could get bogged down in here. Some of it's very interesting. I'm just going to kind of keep this simple for time's sake. But we know that God created the angels, amen? And by the way, he created the angels with a volition. In other words, angels could choose, amen? Um, they had a will. We might even say a free will. And an angel was created by God. An angel, just it, the actual word means messenger. And certainly if you read the Word of God, the Bible, they deliver God's messages through the Old Testament, even in the New Testament. 
Um, they sometimes would show themselves, manifest themselves in different ways in times of need. The Bible even tells us, I believe even today, that we entertain them unawares. Hebrews 13.2, I believe, tells us that. Uh, in other words, uh, we never know when we are in the presence uh, of an angel. I believe that. Probably one of the most touching verses, I think, about angels is when uh, Jesus, speaking of children, says in Matthew 18.10, He says, take, he take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels, plural, their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Isn't that sweet? Amen. And Jesus talks about children there and how in heaven their angels do always behold the face of God. And, and uh, I love that. I guess you know someone down the line had uh, tagged that with a, a term called guardian angels. And I believe that's a, an adequate description. But we know too there were some angels who rebelled against God. They decided. Uh, some of those angels who read there, some have been judged. They've been cast into hell, if you will, waiting for God's final judgment. My point for today, and we'll move on here in a moment, is that if God doesn't spare even his angels for ungodliness, we can be rest assured that he'll certainly judge you for your ungodliness this morning if you're not saved, if you're not under the blood of Christ. Amen? And I hope that you are. We think of the fallen angel, that is Lucifer. Lucifer was an angel. We know him as Satan, the devil, that old serpent. And we know out of Isaiah chapter 14 that he, out of pride he rebelled. We know too that a third of all angels created have rebelled with him. And they are the enemy of God. And it tells us in Isaiah 14, How art, they fallen from How art thou, that is, fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon, also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend up to the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. But the Bible says, Yet thou, Lucifer, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. I believe the Bible teaches that Lucifer was the first sinner, an angel, arguably the most powerful, beautiful angel created by God, but he was the first sinner. And we know that the Bible teaches us that he took a third of the angels with him against God. Not all angels are in hell. I believe some are, some aren't. Some are awaiting judgment. And some, along with Satan, even at this very moment, if you will, are, they can't be everywhere at once like God can, but they are free in this world, causing trouble and heartache in the lives of many people. But I want you to understand, I believe with all my heart, their time is coming to a close. They are under God's judgment. Time is running out. They've been sentenced. And my point is God will not spare the angels, even though it seems they may be free in some way. And the application I'd like to make for some that may be here today, hopefully everybody's saved here today, but if you're not, you know, maybe you're comfortable being apart from God. Um, but he will not, he will spare not the lost. 
if they die in their sin. He's, not going, to, he's going to spare not those angels which have fallen, and He's not going to spare anybody that leaves this world without Christ in their heart. Amen. You might be getting by with it right now, just like Satan's getting away with some things, but it's not going to last forever. Time's running out. If you need to be saved, you need to get saved today. So we see there that He spared not the angels. God spared not the old world. We see there in verse 5, um, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. So we know it was Noah, uh, his wife, his three sons and their wives, a total of eight persons. Noah, a preacher. So that, what do preachers do? Well, they preach, think about that, of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. The world of Noah's day, the pre-flood world. We think that things are terrible today, but... I think we're headed to that direction, but, but uh, probably even as things are today, not as bad as the world was before the flood, right before the flood, that is. And all but eight people, think about that, all but eight people in the whole world died in the flood of Noah. They were judged. The Bible says they were ungodly. They were unbelieving. They were rebellious. Not only did they die, but they went to hell. Now, I believe the Bible teaches us here something that we need to mention, that I believe that when it comes to children, there is an age of accountability. I don't know when that is. It could be different. That's not what this is about. But I will say this, unsaved mother or unsaved father, unsaved grandfather, unsaved grandmother, just like those children weren't accountable as far as their sin goes and, and they're in heaven today, Yet they did have to suffer on this earth because of their parents' ungodliness. And boy, we see that today, don't we? Amen. Hey, there's nothing new under the sun. Unfortunately, that happens today. I just thought I'd mention that. But we fast forward to our world today. I don't know how many people on the planet when the flood came. But today, I think we're up over 8 billion now or somewhere around there. And uh, I believe that we could rest assured that not just millions, but billions do not know God. Someone may ask, well, those billions of people, will God really let them die and go to hell? Well, if they don't get saved, yes, He will. By the way, God doesn't really send anybody to hell. People choose to go there. Again, tripping over the love of God the whole time. So without Christ, uh, hey, listen, uh, just like those, those uh, uh, populations of the world before the flood went on into hell, those of an age of accountability, listen, today without Christ, uh, listen, uh, when that time comes, if you die without Him, you're going to spend eternity in hell. No one comes unto the Father but by Christ. You say, preacher, I, I just don't believe that. I, I cannot accept that. There's, there's good people out there. But remember Noah's day? said that he was a preacher of righteousness. Some estimates vary, but, but I think we can surely say that he preached for at least 100 years. I think more like 120 years. And he preached for over 100 years. What did he preach on of the coming judgment? Yet no one believed. And I imagine, could you imagine preaching for 100 years and not getting many results? I mean, <laughs> but he preached, Amen. His family got saved. We thank the Lord for that. And no doubt they laughed. Remember, it never rained. Nobody even knew what rain was then. Here he is. He's building this huge ship. 
People probably laughed and mocked and joked and people were probably indifferent. Some people probably even got a little angry when he, you know, no doubt when he preached the word of God. Hey, listen, if you don't get on this thing, God's going to judge you and you're going to die. I'm sure there was a lot of different emotions, just like there's a lot of different emotions and reactions to preaching today. I believe uh, Noah also experienced those things. Until finally that day come that the, the, the one door, the only way on the ark was through one door, and the only way to heaven is through one door, and that is Jesus Christ. And that ark door, there came a time, there was opportunity to get on for a hundred years. But the day came when that door closed, and the rain came, and the waters from the deep came in a flood of judgment. At that moment, decision-making time was over. The day of mercy and grace had passed. Now you and I live in the church age today. We are in an age of mercy and grace. And God is sending preachers. He's sending loved ones. He's sending people in your life. Uh, he's even causing some things in your life to get your attention. That is all because of His mercy and grace to get you to go through the door to be saved. But He'll not strive with man forever. And finally, the doors were closed. Decision time was over. Mercy and grace had passed. And the old world, the Bible says, was spared not. And I want to tell you something. Uh, just like God said it would happen there, He's also said that this current world that we're living in right now, not with a flood, but it also will be destroyed someday. There will come a day, we know not when, when decision time will be over in this day of age and grace that you and I live in. In this world, this world you and I live in today will not be spared. And the only thing that is going to be left is going to be judgment. You see, sometimes we think we're, 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 kind, of, we're kind of joking around with things. A lot of young people sit and hear these messages and they kind of laugh and smirk and joke. And even old people, older people, they sit and they hear messages and they shrug their shoulders and, and say, whatever. Hey, listen, this is the most serious conversation, the most serious thing you'll ever talk about is what we're talking about right now. Hey, this is real. Hey, listen, some of us, we're, we're just not taking these things seriously as we ought to. If we did, we'd be running to this altar and being saved. You have to understand that God's word is true. Every jot and tittle is true. And not only here, but the Bible makes it clear that if you leave this earth without Christ, without going through that door, you will go to hell. And the only way to escape that flood of judgment again is through Christ. You know, I, I was thinking about that even this morning when I was studying and reading this passage. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't like being morbid. I, you know, I don't even like violent movies. But, but uh, I was trying to think of what that must have been like. I don't know if it happened at once. Did it take days? You know, I, I can't imagine the horror that, that they, they went through. But, but let's just say in a matter of days that possibly millions died without God. That's tragic. And then, and then, even since that time, millions more have gone without being right with God through faith. Millions more 
will continue to go on unless they get saved. If God spared not the old world, He'll spare not the new. And the Bible makes that clear. Number three, God spared not Sodom and Gomorrah. We read about Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19, verse 24 through 25. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and He overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities. It wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah, but that, that area. And they which grew upon the ground. You know, I believe that the not only just the acceptance of homosexuality, but the promotion of homosexuality, um, basically teaching children how to be homosexual. Amen. Come on now, we got to get serious about this thing. We don't need to pull punches. We don't have nothing to apologize about. God makes it clear, amen. And, uh, acceptance of homosexuality, the, the, the promotion of homosexuality, the, I'm just going to call it the gender crisis that we're in. And by the way, let's just throw in abortion. Is bringing the judgment of God on this world system even closer? But homosexuality is what we're dealing with here, Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me just say this. The Bible makes it clear, not just here, but throughout, in the New Testament too, that homosexuality is an abomination against God. Study that word out, and you'll know what it means. It is a detestable sin. God loves the homosexual. There's part of me don't even like saying that, but the Bible makes that clear. What, what I'm saying is, is when Christ said it was finished, he paid for the sin of homosexuality. But God hates homosexuality. Um... He spared not Sodom and Gomorrah, and he'll spare not the homosexual unless that individual gets saved. Amen. Uh, I tell you, folks, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that we even got churches that have uh, so-called preachers and stuff that are openly gay. I, that's uh, spooky. You say, preacher, you know, listen, we, we live in, in 2023, you know, shouldn't you lighten up on homosexuality? God never lightens up on it, amen. Since when does the culture dictate to us what we need to believe and not believe, amen? God says it's an abomination. Why, you know, some people may wonder, you know, wh wh why is there such a, a disdain toward homosexuality from the Bible-believing Christian? Why so much fuss? I think one reason is that the reason God hates it so much is it undermines his first institution, the family. I mean, homosexuality is a direct attack on that. The Bible makes it clear it's one man, one woman. To see it any other way is wrong. By the way, God never has, nor will he ever create a homosexual. A homosexual. Hey, listen, homosexuality is a choice. Amen. Now, I know what all these doctors and, you know, all these people say, and it's the same doctors that tell you people can be born homosexual also tell you that, that a man can have a baby if he really thinks he wants to. I don't think I want to listen to that doctor, amen? It's like my Uncle Butch used to say, they sound as simple as a one-eyed creek minner. <laughs> That's about as simple as you can get, man, creek minner. <laughs> they might have a Ph.D. on the end of their name. That's just stupid. That's simple, amen? 
Amen. But sadly and seriously, that's a choice that will bring down judgment on your life. Like the fire and brimstone that rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. So God spared not the angels. He spared not the old world. He spared not Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want to share one last thought. It's not in your text, but it's found throughout the Bible. God spared not His only begotten Son. You know, that's what's amazing about all this. Think about this. The Bible teaches us that the same wrath that was poured out on fallen angels, poured out on the fallen world, the old world that is, even poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah, with the same intensity, that same wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. You say, why is that? Why, why did that happen? Well, because Christ, for a moment in time, became sin for us. If that don't stir your heart this morning, I, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him, God hath made Christ, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. What an amazing truth there. Every sin, I'm going to just talk to you as an individual, every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you haven't committed yet, in other words, every sin that you will commit and you will sin again, was placed on Christ and has been paid for. Isn't that amazing? Now, that won't do you any good if you haven't accepted Him as Savior. See, you have to ask Him through faith to save you, and by His grace, by the way, He will. God's never turned anybody down. God loves you as much as he loved anybody. But he doesn't love your sin. Hey, listen, if you're playing games with God today, I, I would say, hey, quit all this religious mumbo-jumbo and trying to straddle the fence and be religious and live for the world at the same time. You just need to get saved, amen. Amen. The believer, you know, when... God sees the believer. He doesn't see the believer. He sees his son. Through the work of Christ, you can become justified, saved from the penalty of sin. And if you're saved because Jesus is perfect and he's in you and you're in him, God sees you as being fit for heaven as perfect because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He who knew no sin. None of us could say that. So when it comes to heaven... God sees believers, even though they haven't finished their sinning yet. God sees believers as if they had never sinned. Amen. That's shouting ground right there. And if, there was, if it was any other way, we'd all be doomed today. We'd all just say, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. There's nothing else to live for. This world is as good as it'll ever get. Aren't you glad this world isn't as good as it's ever going to get? <laughs> Hallelujah. That's shouting ground. God was unsparing with his son. And the reason God is unsparing with his son is because he's unsparing with his love to you. Amen. What a tremendous thought that is. So here's the thing. If you're not saved, it's really just a choice. If you're not saved, it's because you've chosen not to be saved. Nothing else is hindering you. Nothing else is keeping you from being saved other than your own choice not to be saved. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Escape God's unsparing judgment. Because we, we know not when we will stand before God. 
You'll either stand before him saved or stand before him lost. And there's a big difference. You don't want to meet God with your sin. You meet God with your sin, you'll face his judgment. But if you meet God with the blood of Christ on your life, you'll face the Savior. It's a big difference in that. Meet God with your sin, you'll face his judgment. And you'll miss that unsparing love for eternity. God is unsparing both with his love, but he's also unsparing with his judgment. And whichever one you face today is up to you. It's up to you. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Brother Brad will get ready to play us something. And again, if no no moving around, less you know, you know, this this is the most important part of this message is right now. But the invitation is open even right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you need to be saved. Do not feel embarrassed. Do not feel awkward. You just come get my attention, and we will quietly, discreetly get somebody to take the Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can accept Jesus Christ through faith. If you need to do that, you just step out and come at any time. You just step out and come. Believer, if you're here today, I hope that God has spoken to your heart about what you've been saved from and maybe motivated you as far as faithfulness. Maybe there's some things in your life that you know ought not be there. In other words, there's some sin in your life that Jesus paid an awful price to forgive you from. You know, think about that. That sin that you're in, Jesus died for that sin. Won't you come and just ask him to help you to live worthy? To live worthy of what he's forgiven you for. Maybe you're here and maybe you've been saved a long time, but you've never led anybody to the Lord. And what I mean by that is you've never really tried to lead anybody to the Lord. Let's be reminded here that hell is real and God needs you, amen? Now, Noah, he preached for 120 years and was only able to win his family, so I'm not saying that seeing people saved is, is the, the goal. The goal is to simply obey God and be a witness unto him. He'll take care of the rest. Are you out telling people about Jesus? You know, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It's real. God's not going to spare this world forever. So let it motivate us as believers whether we need to get rid of some things in our life, get plugged in, get serious. We need some young people to get serious about God. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see some young people get serious about God? Some young people to say, you know, this heaven and hell thing is pretty serious. I, I want to get serious for God. Be wonderful to see God get a hold of our hearts here this morning. Father, we ask your blessing upon this invitation. Father, I pray that you'll just.